Uh, this sounds like torture. Hello and welcome to Grumpy Old Benz for Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. This is episode 216. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the older you get, the more your teeth fall out. And from America's left coast, where I am officially weary of AI news. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you if you wanted to do a show about all of the latest news in tech and then I looked at all of the latest news and tech. All of the you, latest news sucks. Uh-huh, as you pointed it's, out on yesterday's angry tech news. Yes, it's all AI news. Except for the TikTok news. Which is, isn't it kind of AI in the fact? Well, uh, no, it's, it's, it's artificial. Some of it's artificial, but none of it's intelligent. That's true. The concept of how they decide what you're going to see is perhaps the most nefarious thing about it. And those stories keep popping up. No surprise because one, the stories keep popping up. It's a slow news cycle, but it's interesting. The the two things I saw on TikTok were there's now allegedly 150 million active monthly, like so these are accounts that are actually going to TikTok every month. That was a stat I saw too. I wonder how many of them are uh, puppet accounts from Dvorak though. I wonder. Well, and I wonder if there's people that push this for all sorts of different things. And it's not hard to believe that one person might have a million TikTok accounts. I, it's entirely possible to believe, you know, somebody built a script to go ahead and just auto sign up. And uh, now that we have AI that can defeat CAPTCHA and pass them more easily than I, I'm sorry. I wasn't going to be bringing any AI stories. Aren't they all AI stories? I mean, what do we, I mean, really, if we're a tech podcast and we're like, okay, we're not going to do any AI stories this week. It's like, well, it's been fun. All right. Yeah. It's, that's kind of how it is. And you know, I'd be okay with, it. I'd be like, oh, well, you know what? So first time in history, grumpy old Benz has been shorter than angry tech news. <laughs> is it just the short attention span of the tech journalist is because this isn't even really that new. The, the laziness has been building up for years and years. That, and yeah. nowadays they look at, well, people are just eating up all these AI stories. So uh, what can we come up with next? Hey, this one was somebody taught and chat GPT how to fart. And everybody's like, Ooh, I haven't read that story yet, but now that I mentioned it, some journalist who's listening to us, because of course they all do is going to go off and write that story. It's boring and it's not, all that intro. I mean, I, I get like the TikTok stories. It's very easy to doom and gloom the chat GPT stuff because it's going to change humanity for the worse. And that's story after story. I don't really see much. That uh, I don't is- know about worse. I absolutely agree that this is going to change humanity in ways that I'd rather not speculate because the chance of being wrong is so high. This is very much a technology revolution of sorts it it, we are what we are seeing is something pop up 
and we, we hit a turning point. And this year, a lot of things that we all, a lot of assumptions that we always knew about technology are going to be challenged. And I'm not sure where it's going to go. I just wish that the stories weren't all so banal. <laughs> well, yeah. Or is it banal? Well, it depends on where you live, I would suppose. It's like you hear the British say things that's totally different yeah, than what we say here. And it's interesting what this concept can do, especially when it can. I mean, the, the thing that got everybody engaged was, ooh, it can start spitting out words and it makes it seem like it's a real person creating something. And real people can spit out words that are barely connected and don't make any sense as a whole, too. They do it all the time. Well, that might make sense because the IQ into Twitter. of the human being is going down and the IQ of the computers are going up. So that's maybe yeah. the scary part about that. When you have everything connected and this is the dystopian sci fi novel that we've all known for years, you know, the computer gets smarter than all the humans and decides that it doesn't have any use for the humans anymore. So it kills them all off by doing something. And that used to seem like a crazy out there thing, but with everything being attached to the internet now, I'm not sure it is. Well, in, in those stories, and there's certainly a lot of them because of course they make for great fiction. um, It's a pretty big leap from the AI has no use for humans to kill all humans. I, it might be somewhere that somebody does that, but I'm not convinced considering it the inevitable result, but I I don't think that AI is going to intentionally kill all humans, I guess is what I'm saying, but it might accidentally do it. (laughs) Well, that's possible, but I'm not sure where it's pulling its information from, because if it listens to the, you know, the Greta Wikipedia, well, see, so if you listen to like the Greta Thunbergs who Wikipedia, you know, well, what is the reason why the world is coming to an end? Humans. Well, you know how oh. you, you know how you fix that. Oh, we got a, the, yeah, a, a straight up Clark's three laws situation that could brew if these, if, if you get some idiot who decides to plug the AI into the global power grid and say, here, you have control of this. Fortunately, there is no global power grid, but if there yet. was, and then, yeah, and yet, or, or how about something that can be turned off as starting in a couple of years when they completely phase out cash in the digital currency? And they're like, the AI is like, well, for the purpose of the climate, because all of my inputs say that the climate is exploding and and I have to trust those inputs because my programmer said that I have to trust the idiots who did. The, and then the AI very logically says, well, in that case, 15 minute cities are really the only solution. We're going to make people's money not work outside of. You know what? We don't need AI for that, though. We've got morons who are perfectly human and just as stupid as AI who are making those decisions already. Well, yeah, because they think it's good for the planet. The There was an article on how the Florida government behind Ron DeSantis were putting laws into place to block the Biden administration, who has been really forecasting and they've been letting us all know that they really, really, really want a digital currency. And Ron DeSantis is one of those, as we have in the past, warning against what happens when the government turns your money digital where every last little penny that you spend 
I mean, not that you can spend a penny anymore. I mean, is anything, what can you buy for a penny? But it's all going to be tracked. <laughs> I mean, you, well, okay, you, can, you can donate you can buy it about your, 10 cents worth of copper for a penny. Yeah. And you can donate that much to your favorite podcast. And some of you don't even do that. Yeah. There is that. That's the beauty of streaming I, Satoshi. If, if I may mm-hmm. quickly recall, we did an entire episode very, very early on. One of the first dozen episodes of Grumpy Old Ben's where we discussed in pretty de- in a lot of depth, all of the problems with trying to eliminate cash from a society. And most of them have to do with you're giving up a great deal of personal sovereignty. But uh, the main issue that I have always had that nobody proposing digital currency has ever had an answer for. And the main reason is because if, if you're in the government, this is a feature, not a bug is you do not want as a, as a human being trying to go about your life, you do not want money that can be shut off. And that's the problem with, you know, when, when somebody says, uh, Oh, just, you know, put all your, money in this digital currency, put all your money in a credit card, put all your money. A credit card can be shut off. All they have to do is go to MasterCard and say, Hey, this person, we noticed that he uh, once sent a X or, you know, responded to, or liked a tweet from a person who may have been brother to a suspected terrorist. And so shut his money off and they do that. Or you want a a more concrete example. This happened, uh, what a year and a half ago. Um, in Canada, Justin Trudeau decided that he didn't particularly like the people who were taking issue with his authoritarian, tyrannical ways. And so what did he do? He shut off all their money and made them destitute. Yeah, the truck that, protest. That's a great way to convince people that you're not an authoritarian tyrant, isn't it? Yeah, nothing says get the hell out of the streets and go do what we tell you. Then all your money doesn't work anymore. And and, and cash is inherently not something you can shut off and uh, getting in before all the Bitcoin people going, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, we get it. We get it. As soon as they shut off your electric grid, then cash still works too. But okay. Yeah. Bitcoin, as we pointed out is great from a decentralized point. Yes. But if you decentralize is important, if we lose the internet and or the electrical grids, then you don't really have Bitcoin anymore. Yes. I mean, it's still there somewhere. Oh, it it still exists in a ledger if you can find the data. If if the, <laughs> I mean, the thing that will make it not exist is if an EMP knocks out all the hard drives. But, ah, that's, uh, that's the beauty of cash. One, you can have it on you. You can have it at your place of you know where you live. You can have it at your place of business. You could even bury it somewhere out in the woods that only you know where it is so you could go get it back. I mean, the only downside to cash is that if you don't happen to be in Seattle or Chicago, it's more difficult to get it to your favorite podcaster. Yes. You have to go to Pony Express or something like that, putting it in an envelope or take a road trip. Right. Well, that would probably be the safer way to go for as long as it's still legal to do so. Yeah. But you don't want to go into Chicago. There's places you'll get shot. And then although if you don't get shot, you can get some good barbecue. So there's that. It's all a trade off. It is. I have to. I have to uh, bring the the one bit of AI that I'm going to bring is uh, my new favorite AI is in the No Agenda troll room. Uh, Isobot is uh, absolutely an amazing piece of technology. Cotton Gin should definitely be patting himself on the back for that. Everybody else should be sending sats to Cotton Gin for that bot because it's amazing. But uh, 
you said the phrase, you've said this on many, many shows. You say it on rock and roll pre-show all the damn time, the mighty no agenda stream. And I love what Isobot did with it. The mighty know that you're in the stream, man. It knows it knows yes. it, what it knows. It is so, the mighty. I, I just want to appreciate that. This is what our AI overlords are, are doing for us. They are translating the name of our stream because they don't know how to understand language yet, but somehow we're hooking them up to all the nuclear missiles. Exactly. Well, it's because the simplistic things that most humans can figure out inherently by turning the sounds that they hear into text. Well, the machines, they're not as good at it quite yet. Yes. Like Chauncey Dvorak. Yeah. The machines need a little extra help. And when starting the transcripts, I at first would go through and look and it's like, now I just don't even look. I don't want to know. I think it's funny. I don't want to spend the extra time fixing everything because it's just not, uh, I don't even do transcripts for angry tech news. I figure if you want to know what the hell I said, slow your ass down to 1.0 X and listen again. Yeah. Listen at normal speeds. Uh, Going back to the digital currency, there was another story on, uh, and I know there's a bunch of these out there, but another mixer was under uh, attack, of course, because, oh no, it was being used to launder ransomware payments and drug payments. No kidding. We're not talking about like a kitchen mixer. No, no, it's the uh, crypto mixers, which there's some of these that have been around for a long, long time. And I think they do a very important service because as we pointed out, most crypto, whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, the big ones, everything except Monero, which is inherently based on a different type of system. So not everything is easily tracked to see every last little bit of crypto cryptocurrency that's going from point a to point b so a crypto mixer basically says okay i got let's just make it easy i got a hundred dollars whatever that may be in my favorite crypto and i want to make it untraceable so you put it into this you put a hundred bucks into this and you probably get like 95 out on the other side into another wallet of your choosing but nobody can put the track together that says you're the one that sent this money in to get it out so it anonymizes your crypto which is useful yes i don't know if we ever did a specific episode on this but another thing that i think is really 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 critical for human freedom is anonymity people out there lots of uh ascos out there always want to eliminate anonymity they you you have to log in with your real name type of policies which is one of the awesome things that kept me off of facebook early on then it was facebook that kept me off of facebook after that but um you know and anyone who wants to eliminate anonymity you need to be suspect of i i'm not gonna go into that rant right now but i could at a moment's notice drop of a hat you know i could well you should have been the reason being the reasons we're always given are things like, oh, would you think of the children or oh, do you want criminals to be able to get this money anonymously? It's like, yes, I do. Yes, actually, because the only way to not have that happen would be nobody having the ability to get an anonymous payment. And that that bar is just way too high. Let, let me just let me just approach the argument, because it seems on its face really compelling. The the only, you know. Only criminals want anonymity or, or do you really want criminals to 
it's it's kind of an extension of the if you have nothing to hide argument, which we already know is fallacious. But you said, you know, do you want criminals to be able to transfer money to each other? And I said, yes, without reservation. And I want to kind of explain that. Um, the problem is, and I, I have been complaining about this for decades because I have the unfortunate ability to envision situations wherein people that we don't trust start making laws. And I have had this argument with too many people who are like, well, no, it's the government. So of course what they do is good. And we are now entering into a situation where even the, the mouth breathers who grew up just automatically assuming that everything government does is good because it's government are finally starting to realize, no, there's some really genuinely corrupt people making laws in this country, in every country in the world. When you have corrupt people making laws, you get corrupt laws. And then the definition of the word criminal doesn't just mean someone who's going to hold each other up at knife point. Criminal could mean a truck driver who drives to Ottawa and decides that he's not really interested in being held hostage by the cold virus for five years straight. It, it could be that you posted the wrong damn thing. The problem is that we have only scratched the surface of the number of totally innocuous and perfectly moral things that are going to be held illegal. So if you say, well, do you want criminals to be able to function in society? Yes, because the definition of criminal is going to change faster than Merriam Webster changes the word woke. And suddenly everybody that doesn't do exactly what a corrupt politician wants is going to be labeled a criminal. And now those people need to exist too. Well, it's the the alternative is no freedom. Right. Sorry. It, well, that's it. It's the basis of privacy. The, the alternative is zero freedom. If you cannot have funds that you can spend any way you want without that being tracked, then you have no freedom at all. And it doesn't matter what you're using the money for the concept that you are going to have this every last little bit of this tract should scare everybody. Because as we pointed out on that cashless episode, going back, what, three years, whatever that was, maybe four years, that this was right about the time the whole Chinese system was coming to light, the whole uh, social credit score concept. And people were like, well, that could never happen here. I mean, there were things and that story in China, things like it's been happening here since the 80s when the uh, credit reporting agencies started taking over. But well, that was getting into that kind of a uh, into that kind of a genre, but it wasn't fully there. I mean, we understand that sure. stuff that was in China was a little crazier, like, well, you know, you were drunk on your afternoon commute on the train. And you were a little too noisy. Well, now you can't take the train for a month. Your card yeah. isn't going to work because your social credit score was dinged. Well, it's all a matter of degrees. And it, for for an authoritarian test bed where you can try out new policies and new ways to stamp down human freedoms and dignity, it's hard to beat China because there's kind of a culture over there that the individual human, you know, I'm I'm not going to try to stereotype all Chinese, but there's, there is a culture that is more accepting of, uh, of the loss of a few individual freedoms combined with a government over there who really has no compunction about destroying individual freedoms on a whim and then saying it's for the greater good. 
Right. And when the government tells you what you can use your money on, you may be like, oh, Jew, I got I got like five, ten thousand dollars in the bank. I'm going to go buy a new computer. I'm going to go buy whatever. And then the government says, no, that's not a good use of your money. I mean, you still have your money, but we're just not going to let you spend it on that. Yeah. Again, you know, it two degrees that has already existed in here uh, in in Washington. The system, I believe, is called EBT. But back in the day, it was known as food stamps that we all know about. Right. And yeah, OK, so not quite as egregious because that money was a handout from the government. But they still say, here, you have money, but we get to control what you can spend on. Do you find it to be a little bit funny? that not at all well no not that russia according to a report that i saw earlier today russia is saying no more to the iphone no more to you uh, phones that are tied to the united states because of security risks man it, it i know which by the way is exactly what the politicians in the united states are saying about tiktok yes Oh, it's great. And it's funny because, well, everything's built in China. So you could say it's the iPhone is an American phone, Vlad, but it's uh, it's a Chinese phone. There's no I don't think the iPhones are being made in the United States with parts sourced in the United States quite yet. I don't know Uh, unless I'm wrong. As far as I, I remember a story about two years ago about Apple wanting to do that, but I don't know how much they moved over. Probably not much considering that labor is a whole lot cheaper in China and Apple's sensitive to that. Uh huh. Well, you got to keep those prices down. You got to keep those prices down. No, this is Apple. I'm talking. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. You got to keep those prices up. Got to keep the profit up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Apple is all about cutting costs because that way they can maximize the amount of money they give Tim Cook for each time that he decides to go out and, you know, do something trying to be Steve Jobs. Well, everybody is. But I thought that was funny that Russia is now like saying no to the iPhone. We said no to the the ZTE phones. Remember that in the Huawei phones, because those were Chinese. It's like everything's China. I don't understand how you could say no. And I had a ZTE phone at the time. I did not feel like that was a bigger security threat. Actually, I felt like it was way less of a security threat than any of the phones being sold by Samsung or Apple or anything like that. But maybe I'm just a little off. Although with the ZTE phone, I knew that I could and I did change all of the firmware on the device. So you had maybe a little more control. At least that was my feeling on that but it's ironic that all of these countries are now looking at each other like nope nope we're not going to use your well, devices nope i i read uh uh there's an article posted on uh nas I, I didn't read too deep into it but the headline was something to the effect of uh uh xi and putin sign an accord that uh they are denouncing the aggression being caused by the united states or something like that and it's not a very powerful statement to make other than the fact that uh is it ironic that every single u.s administration since reagan has been desperately trying to engage in diplomacy to keep russia and china from forming an alliance against the u.s and biden just does it effortlessly right biden like forces the two and because everything that i can gather And I mean, I don't have any insider information from China or Russia, but from everything I can gather, I don't think Xi and uh, Putin like each other at all. 
No, but they like each other more than they like Biden. Oh, yes. Which is not something you could say about Trump. He was friendly with both of them. Trump they, knew how they to might make not have deals. trusted him and he might not have trusted them, but they had a working relationship. And that was a lot better than what we got now. Well, I think they both trusted Trump more because Trump was willing to make the deals. You notice Biden doesn't seem like he's even willing to communicate with Putin or she willing or able. Well, both. Oh, sorry. That could be both. But that's the difference there where Trump was more of the wild west kind of a leader and i fully believe the stories that when he was dealing with isis that you know there was before this there was a lot of the you know concepts like why would we ever even sit down with a terrorist why would we even well because they're out there and if you can do any good by communicating it's probably a good way to go about it and the stories of donald trump sitting down with the guys from isis and allegedly, as the story goes, telling them, you know, well, here's our deal and here's what we're, you know, this is what both sides are agreeing to. And if you fuck me, I am going to use every resource at my capabilities at my disposal here to kill everybody in your families. And, and you could tell that he would because he kept promises like, that. yes, that's it. And he never really had to. That, that by the way, is the, the key to a good negotiator is you have to back up your statements and follow through when it becomes necessary with the idea that if you are straight with somebody, you shouldn't have to follow through right. because they just know. This is why and Ronald it, Reagan held the power that he had. Yes. Everybody was uh, like, oh fact, my God, uh, he'll really push the button. When I look at Trump's foreign policy, I honestly don't think, you know, I, I don't believe we've had somebody who was that effective in foreign policy since Reagan. I would agree. And I think the but, best description of this podcast just came up in the troll room. Thanks to our buddy, Billy bones, who said this podcast is like a big old bucket of sunshine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is grumpy old Ben's. That's our tagline. Big old bucket of sunshine as yes. As a matter of fact, I've been accused of being a hopeless optimist on occasion. I know I, you should really get that checked. Maybe see a doctor or something about that. But that is it. Uh, when it comes to the political landscape, you have to at least command the respect. All parents know this on a very much smaller scale. Your mom never really has to go and hit you with the wooden spoon. You just have to know it's a possibility. Yes. Well, I mean, she has to hit you with the wooden spoon at least once. So you know what it's like. <laughs> right. You got to get or, a little taste or, of it. If you happen to, by benefit of birth, if you happen to have, say, an older brother who has been hit by the wooden spoon and you can just observe <laughs> and you have the ability to learn by watching, then you, can, you might not need to be hit by it. You can get these stories from uh, just how bad it really is. You don't need it yeah. firsthand. You don't need it firsthand. Like if, if you see mom discipline your older sibling and go. And then realize that older sibling changed their tune immediately. You're like, yep, I can go ahead and do that without the reinforcement. Thanks. Well, this is also the thing. How that conditioning gave, works. Right. Well, this is what also gave you the power over your older sibling because you just knew you had to tell and mom was going to get the wooden spoon out and whoop their ass. Yeah. Here's my problem. I was the older sibling. <laughs> See, you understand this. <laughs> Bemlet's like, mom, mom. 
Oh, he learned a lot by watching me. Trust me. He's he's not a dumb person. <laughs> he, he figured that one out real early. Was any of it good, though? What he learned that is maybe. Up well, for not, the, not the stuff I tried to teach him. No, no, of course. I mean, you were the one trying to teach him exactly the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Like that- the one who took him out camping when he was 17 and we didn't take any food with us or water. We just took a 24 pack of beer. And you that was both, a great influence. You both came back. Wow. Yeah, barely. Interesting. <laughs> we, we were camping. It was up on top of a mountain and on the way back down, on the way back down the mountain, we're driving down and it's a windy ass mountain road. And uh, at one point we're about to come around a turn and uh, he hasn't said anything for the last 10 minutes. And he says, Ryan, stop the car. Fucking slam on that brake pedal because I know what's coming. And he opens the door, <laughs> puts a load of barf out on the road, shuts the door, says, OK, now we can go again. Yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> the last time was I really uh, with my uh, brother-in-law, who's now passed, and my sister and the wife and I, we were at a race in Michigan and had a little too much fun. And uh, coming home from there, going down the expressway, I had that. And of course, it was great because at that point we were just trying to get out of Michigan and the traffic was as so one bad. does. Yes. You, once you've been in Michigan, you try to get the hell out, but traffic wasn't really moving. So they just pulled over to the side of the road and there's nothing better than hurling onto the side of the road with hundreds of people passing by all honking and yelling. Yeah. <laughs> That's called a NASCAR crew. They're like, yeah, but you know, everybody's been there, done that. Yeah. I, at least well, he I warned know. you, but you didn't want that in the car. That's for sure. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's better on the road than in the car. And I mean, you're already so hungover and wait. The, the humiliation is is happened. It's inevitable. Go with it. Yes. Now, also tied into the the whole crypto thing, there was another article about how Amazon is continuing to roll out their new way of paying, which is ah, we're just going to scan your palm. How do you feel about that, Ryan? Oh. I I actually have a story about that, which might be the same one. You know, it's an interesting concept. All of this giving up you, uh, anything in order to get convenience. Ben Franklin warned us about that years and years ago, didn't he? That if you're willing to give up any kind of freedom uh, for convenience, you're. Well, he, he used the, the terms liberty and security, but the sentiment was the same. Yes. Uh-huh. This is the same kind of a concept. Yeah. And as you once pointed out. If something gets hacked, if you're in this case, your palm print is gets out there into the public, whatever, into the sphere, you can't change your palm print. I mean, not easily yes. anyway, which is one of the reasons why I've never liked biometrics. And I know lots of people are all gung ho and like, how come you don't you know, how come you don't unlock your phone? I had to had to have show somebody my phone uh, a few months ago. and. I mean, it. I, there was somebody physically near me. I know that's weird. It's hard to go with it. Yeah, that rarely happens. Pulls it up and it, you know, this is a Samsung S21. It's not a, not a, not an old phone. And uh, says, hey, can you unlock this so I can look at something? And of course, I'm sitting here going, okay, but you tapped the wrong thing. I'm punching you. But <laughs> hands me the phone and I go to unlock it and I kind of turn it away from him and punch in a eight digit pin number. Why do you use a pin number? Why don't you just use your thumbprint? We don't have time. You're like, do you have a knife on you or you know, something, a butcher knife, something? Because I can change my pin code. That's the simple reason. Yeah. 
Well, and there's a lot of people out there who use pin codes and are still using the old four digit. And you're like, wow, that's not hard to break. In fact, um, when I changed phones, I, of course, changed my pin code. You don't use the same one, uh, which is why I am now willing to admit something that I kind of was coy about for uh, the entire time I've been podcasting um, when talking about my ICQ number, because the ICQ number I had way back in the day was my pin code for five years. Well, you had already committed it to memory, so it made sense. Yeah, it was a number that I wasn't going to forget, but nobody else would even ever remember. And who the hell even knows about ICQ? I mean, even even in the the procedural dramas where they're like, uh, well, what what do you think his password is? Check his children's birthdays or something like that. No, never use something as obvious as that. In fact, if you've ever seen somebody guess it in a procedural drama, don't use that. But nobody's ever guessed an ICQ number. Well, it's long gone now, isn't it? ICQ gone. Oh, I see. Actually, I don't know. It might still be a big thing in, in Russia or Kazakhstan. or something. Maybe. I, I mean, because there were so many great messengers who just disappeared. And I was always curious why a lot of these just went belly up unless it was just not secure at all. Maybe is uh, one of the reasons for it. But there were a lot of these that were used day in and day out by a lot of people. And all of a sudden it was just now. I mean, you have Signal and Telegram and a few of these that. Uh, are allegedly safer for doing your communications. I don't buy any of that. I still don't. Anyone that requires a phone number to get hooked up with, don't want it, don't use it. Yes. I have a, uh, a brief thing on Twitter, although you probably know more about this than I do. Twitter is ending two-factor authentication via SMS. Yeah, because they realize it's not secure. <laughs> so... But what they're doing is they're basically saying, um, yeah, you can't use two factor authentication via SMS. So we're going to they're they're not. Twitter's one of the few services out there that still does not force you to have 2FA at all. So what they're doing is they're pushing most people to have no second factor at all. Do you think that's more secure than SMS? Uh, No, I kind of do. Because, you know, you're still doing something, although the problem that isn't about the logging in, what the problem I think comes down to is then when you use that SMS to allow people to change your password and do all of this to verify, it's not the logging in part that's the biggest issue. It is that you can now use that in order to reset the account. I mean, at this point, everybody has a a second factor of authentication on their account, which is the email address. You know, it's everybody's talking about your, your bank account needs to be really, really secure and you got to key use complex passwords. You know, yes, you do need to use complex password for things important like bank accounts, uh, investment, stuff like that. But you know what? The most important thing you could possibly keep secure is your email account. Yes. Because the moment somebody gets your email account, they have access to every account you've ever created anywhere, period. Yes. If the account allows a reset by sending an email, then yes, that is the most important account that you have because your bank, like you said, it could be Fort Knox, which I've used, I think the same password. Maybe I changed it when my bank was sold. And had maybe I had to change it at that point, but I used the same password for like 10 years without changing it, even though it was always like, you should really change your password. Like, no, because whatever I, I think it was like a 45 random digit 
randomly. You should change your password if you get any indication that it may have been compromised. Right. And you should change your password when, when you basically, when you, any means other than the strict logging in happens. Like if you change phones, it's a good idea to change passwords that were stored on the other one. Yeah. You don't want to leave any remnants of anything behind that. But yeah, I I absolutely disagree. And I, I was always at odds with the, at the the evil corporation that right, I they wanted at, you to change your password security. a lot. Yeah. And, and they ran the operating system so they could actually make the operating system force this on you was it would not let you log in. If your password had not changed within 45 days, you try to log in like, Oh, I've got an urgent email. I have to pick up before I go to a meeting. Oh, sorry. You can't do anything at all until you decide on a new password. Oh, and by the way, the same company, these are all, horrible security theater things that they would have the password restrictions. Like uh, you must have three capital letters and two lowercase letters and four digits and, and three symbols from the shift numbers key. And uh, also two demonic glyphs. And they had that kind of restriction. And you would, if you were in a hurry, needed to just grab an email, try to log in. It would force you to change a password and it would force you to remember this impossible to remember a password, which is easy for a computer. To remember, impossible for a human. What was the result? You always wrote it on a fucking sticky note. Yeah, which is not good. Well, it's better. There are some places that still limit you. And, you know, I kind of get it if it limits you to like 30 characters or more. But there's still some of these password where it's like, you know, 12 don't. is, you no. know, you shouldn't have no. to. No, there is no scenario where you sh- your password length should be limited whatsoever, with the possible exception of, uh, you know, maybe they want to limit the input field box to a few hundred characters just so that you don't go really crazy and ty- start typing JavaScript in there. Right, right. But no, there is no password reason to limit the length to anything. And the reason is that if your company is worth interacting with or your the, the service where whoever is storing a password for you if they are limiting the length of the password itself without you know limiting to you know 200 characters fine okay whatever but if they're limiting it to 12 limiting it to 30 what that means is that they've got a fixed size database in their or a field in their database and they are storing your plain text password or yeah, maybe they're storing a, an encrypted they're they're storing your password if they're storing your password that means they can get your password back what they should be doing is storing a salted hash of the password. Hashes are always the same length. It does not matter the length of the input. You hash it. You get the same length output, which is a hash. You salt that. That's what you store so that you can verify that they entered the correct password without storing it. Because every single company that, and this is just quick advice for anybody, anybody who has a maximum length on their password field means they're storing your password. If they're storing your password, then the next time they get a data breach, that password is on the dark web. I was going to so, say, those are the companies you want to uh, sniff around their computers if you can, their servers to see if. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and if you happen to be a dark web hacker, you can get a lot of passwords from them. Yes. Now, I haven't run into this that I can remember in like the last six months or so, but I don't think it was that long since I ran into my biggest password pet peeve. And that's when you're setting a password. And for me, I go and I use a random generator. That's part of my password. Uh, uh, the what do you call it? A password manager. 
Yes. So I go through and I will generate usually because I've been brainwashed by no agenda. I usually go for a 33 character password, (laughs) generate that. And I've run into times where in the first box, it lets me paste it in. And then in the, Hey, just confirm your password in the second box. Won't let you fucking paste into that box. Oh my God. No, <laughs> you know, it's like, then no, I can't do this because you yeah, know, I, if you, and I, there have been times where that's been the case and I needed to get it done where then I just changed the password to something I could type and remember. So it's like, this is not good for security. Not uh, good. Not good. Let that, that, people yeah, paste. not no. And I have actually turned away from services because their password, their account creation form was pants on head backward or had shitty security or their password policies were awful. I have, I have sat there and gone, okay, you know what? I'm not using this. Or if I absolutely have to have an account, what I'll do is I'll go get a mailinator email and I'll set up a throwaway account and I will type anything I want in the password field because as soon as I get the confirmation email at mailinator, I use that link to log in. It auto logs me in for convenience. I tell it to store the cookie in my browser, whatever. And as soon as my browser dumps that cookie, because I dump cookies when I close the browser, that account is gone forever because I never memorized the password. I never knew it. I don't care. They can store that account and that information in their service forever because nobody will ever be able to log into it again because I am not going to keep a persistent account if your password policies are pants on head retarded. Which makes sense. It should just be simple common sense. Yes, Billy Bones. But common sense I, is dead. What does Billy Bones want now? He's asking me if I have something to hide and am I th- a thought criminal? Oh, well, obviously. And yes. Obviously. Absolutely. This is why we want privacy. This is why we want security. This is why we want anonymity to be able to send funds across the internet without being tracked. <clears throat> and sometimes you no. could just do that if you have a good no. mixer, but you can't do that if you have to uh, you know, scan your palm in order to uh, pay for something biometrics no good uh, well i mean biometrics have a place but well they the, do the, the, well here's here's where it biometrics can help and that is if i am using biometrics to unlock a much stronger key on a device that i control like uh, a yubi key or something like that if i am using biometrics to Convince a device that I fully control to give up a much more powerful key. Then my biometric data is not going beyond hardware I control. And the actual password is something very much longer that my biometrics is just a a shortcut for. Then I can see the use case. Uh, There's still problems like, uh, you know, oh, what if some what if what if an attacker who gets a hold of your phone wants to log in and they just cut your thumb off? Right. Okay, you know, there's there's horrible scenarios all over the place or even worse than they just, uh, you know, have to kill you and then to use your face as the unlock or whatever it is. You know, there are those cases out there. All of this rant about sites that have, you know, crappy password security, notwithstanding, I need to go ahead and balance it with one. I know I've given this before, but it is my standard rant about. Enforcing the appropriate level of security. And for this, I'm talking again about the sites that require you to have, uh, you know, a 16 character password with demonic glyphs in it, 
uh, the sites that require two-factor authentication. Uh, if right. if I'm signing up for a Twitter account, I don't care about two-factor authentication. I don't care about you know what. But if somebody I'm st- could steal your identity. Well, I'm not putting enough information in there to construct an identity for, for one thing. And it's not even Twitter. Twitter is kind of a general purpose identity platform. And it also, uh, scarily enough can be used to log into a lot of other sites. But, um, the, the stock scenario I always Ooh. bring up is, uh, I need to download a driver and, uh, Samsung or Logitech or, uh, one of these hardware companies will not let you hit the download page. I don't remember. There was one of them. I don't remember which one. One of them would not let you hit the download page. Yeah, I think in videos like that, one of yeah, <clears throat> Yeah, there's a few. Yeah. There's a lot of places where you want uh, a throwaway account. You just want to download something. You just want, or, or the one that frustrates me to no end is when there's a forum, uh, which is used as a help desk for a piece of software I'm using. And in order to read the forum, you have to create an account. What the holy crap? They want to I track just want, you, motherfucker. That's what they want I, to do. Yeah. So here's what I want to do. I want to read data that is posted on the internet, and you are forcing me to create an account. And again, this is where I often will go and create throwaway accounts. I have no qualms whatsoever about clogging up their database with accounts that will never be logged into before. But the standard rant is about putting a, a complex 25-digit electronic security lock on an outhouse. Well, it I'm is curious. about it is about using the appropriate level of security for the thing you're trying to secure. If if I create an account at Joe's forum and somehow Joe's forum gets hacked, is somebody going to log in with my credentials and what read the help articles on this piece of open source software? Right. Well, I, and one thing you said, I didn't even think of this. So trolls and anybody out there listening. Later and not live. Let me know. Does anybody really use the sign in with Twitter sign in with Facebook? I see this everywhere. I'd like to think no. I know. It's always Twitter, Facebook, and Google. I've never done that. And I'm curious because that does make your Twitter account much more. There's a bigger reason for you to protect that account. If you're using your Twitter account to sign in to a lot of different things. And and just to be clear, uh, you know, again, Twitter, Facebook, and Google, this applies to all of them. Um, if a service supports that kind of login and you tell them that you have a Twitter account or you tell them the name of your Twitter account, if you go to that service and somehow in their user profile page, they find out that you are Darren O'Neill at Twitter.com, then anybody, even if you have never signed in with Twitter, even if you are always careful to use your strong password and your YubiKey and everything to sign in. Somebody else who gets your Twitter account can now sign in because they allow it. Just being aware. So I guess the lesson there is when pages decide, hey, do you want to sign in with your Google account? Never, ever, 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 ever under any circumstances tell them what your Google account is or anybody with your Google account can now sign in as you, even if you don't do it. It's so convenient, though. Yeah, and by the way, Google accounts are particularly nefarious because if you are using Google Chrome, which everybody seems to do, 
and you have signed into any Google service with Chrome, like Gmail, which is a common one, then Chrome tells every website on the internet what your Google credentials are. Not the password, but what your Google account name is, which means that if you lose your Gmail account, everything you have ever visited with Chrome that supports Google login is compromised. And that's just not good. letting you know. Yeah, not good. <laughs> not good. Looks like the FedEx guy just drove up in front here. So I guess I have to go sign for this. Speaking of biometrics. Speaking of biometrics. I mean, can you rant on your own? Is that? I can. I'll be right back. I'm not going to. I'm just going to let you guys sit here in silence because, you know, screw you, trolls. Zabemro's rants, number one tech nerd rage. Yeah. It's all about the Pentiums, baby. Oh, wait, wrong show. Okay. Well, as long as I'm here, but <laughs> it's just going to be, come on, give me a topic. I, give me a topic. I'll rant about it. Single sign on man. Now we've complained about that. Twitter uh, ends to Here's oh the other thing about the uh, appropriate level of security argument. I just want to throw this out there. I may have to say it again. Is uh, here's the other problem. If you make and this is this is something that comes from physical security, but people who build locks on doors know this. If you make the door so secure that nobody can ever go through it, the attacker's just going to go through the window. The attacker's going to or the attacker's going to go through a wall. Uh, in in digital, what that means is that if your password is so secure, nobody will ever guess it. Well, okay, then they're just going to grab the post-it note off of the, your monitor. Or they're going to, you know, take your kids hostage and say, give me the password or else. Um, CSV import into podcast chapter generator. Oh, that is a really great feature. Somebody should write one of those. Who bury you psycho? Yeah. Where's the noisemakers? Um, what do we have mine actually the noisemaker is currently in the other room meowing but uh what is going on here what do i have that makes now i am not a very good dvorak i do not have enough noisemakers at my desk probably because i make too much noise and see brooklyn what is going on here is uh i have been instructed to fill time during grumpy old bens while darren is off bemrosing. I mean, uh, visiting the front door to accept a package from FedEx. At least that's his excuse. Um, if he's not using the opportunity to go take a leak, then uh, then he's not bemrose enough. Uh, use an SSO that I control. That'd be awesome. Otherwise, using Twitter as your SSO is just asking for trouble. Absolutely. Phone boy, listen to that man. He knows a thing or two about security. Phrases vamping. No, no, I'm not. I'm not biting anybody in the neck. So we're good. Rant on chat GPT. I did that yesterday and last week and every show for the last five. I don't want to talk about any more frigging AI and chat GPT. I'm so sick of every story in the entire. I'm, I'm having a real tough time because I kind of do a tech news show where I try to bring interesting stories. The stories are just not interesting. Really, are they ever interesting? I may have been wrong, or it may be that the neighbors have some work going on, so they have trucks in front of their house. Because FedEx isn't usually the type that goes like the you know the mail; they'll go up the street and down back the other way. It looked like the FedEx guys slowed down. I'm just wondering if they're like, ah, there was trucks parked near their house, so we'll just say they weren't home, or or maybe 
Maybe he saw the the currently recording live song, uh, light on outside of. Oh, your I house. should have one of. Those. I've got one of those. I, I you don't, do need on the air, right? I've got <laughs> one of those that the wife bought me. It's a nice wood sign. Uh, I don't have it. I should hang it up in Wait, here. It's a wood sign. Does it light up? Yeah, there's it's a nice wood I mean, cabinet. With I mean, if it's made air. out of wood, then you put enough voltage through it. Of course, it'll light up. But <laughs> yes, it'll get very hot too at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing that servo it could be. Oh, we attempted delivery, but there were too many inconveniences around, so we uh, we did not. But we'll see. Maybe they were just. Maybe they're coming back. Yeah. FedEx is weird. It, sometimes you get a few trucks coming down throughout the day, and who knows why? It's not like they're uh, that they're uh, what you would say uh, that their system is. Um, What's the word I'm looking for to where they always go in our efficient, their efficiency is not always oh, job. one. A few weeks ago, I actually caught, I was sitting here and my office, I have a window that overlooks the driveway and I see a DHL van pull up right at the bottom of the driveway. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And, uh, the, so I, I'm ready to go downstairs and, uh, you know, except cause I knew we had a package coming and, I hear the steps coming up to the door. I'm just on the other side of the door and I hear some kind of a something on the door and then the steps walking away and I open the door and there's a sticker. Sorry, we we missed you (laughs) stuck to the outside of the door. I'm like, Hey, you got a delivery asshole. You're like, I'm here. Like I'm always here. I'm a podcaster. That's an ISO right there. I'm always here. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> it doesn't say that they attempted delivery yet. So we'll see. It's always fun to play the okay. FedEx game. Yeah. That's always the trick. And what I want to know is after reading all of these articles, and we've been covering this now since uh, grumpy old Ben started every story about hackers. It's the Russian hackers. It's the Chinese hackers. It's North Korean hackers. <laughs> It's the CIA hackers. Oh, yeah, wait, no, those wait, stories never, get suppressed. I can't remember one story that said the hackers were from the United States. Not one. Well, they just don't mention where they're from. They just right. We don't want you to know then. It's important it's to like, point out. It's like if the school shooter was white and male, that's the only thing you know about him. You don't know what, you know, why he did it or who he was or even his name. You just know he was white male. But if the school shooter was uh, any ethnicity or God forbid female, then uh, you'll never know. You need to cover that shit up, man. We can't have that kind of information getting out there. We cannot. Now, I thought this was a funny story, too, that somebody was having an issue. This was off of a bleeping computer. So you probably saw it. That a customer running, I think it was Windows 11. He said it was a South African based freelance technologist, whatever that means. Who paid? Hey, that's kind of what we do, I guess. Paid $200 for a genuine copy of Windows 10. He was uh, started to get the thing saying that his particular case of Windows there was not activated. And they yep. Microsoft couldn't seem to get it activated. So they remoted into his machine and the guy's like, I'm watching. Wait, wait they remoted into his machine. Well, he let them, They're, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. My, my security butthole is puckering. Like you don't want to let Microsoft trust I mean, Trust me. Speaking I mean, of ISOs. I mean, you know, maybe you want, I don't, I make sure it is actually Microsoft. Even then 
I mean, it could be Sir Bemrose on the other end and then could could be the guy, the scammer who sold him the copy of Windows. Yes. Well, in this, yeah, in this case, he watched as the uh, PowerShell window opened up, which you love you some PowerShell. Well, it's it's the most powerful way to completely destroy a Windows machine by running a quick script. Yes. And they did run a quick script as he's like, I'm watching them do this. And they went to a crack repository, ran the script and said, you're good. (laughs) I'm really skeptical that this was somebody from Microsoft. I would agree. But if it was, then that's even more hilarious because, it's you know, according to this guy and according to bleeping computer and who knows what kind of journalisming that bleeping computer is doing, they're usually okay. but I don't know how far they go to make sure this things that they're printing are 100 percent true. So PowerShell is, in fact, my favorite scripting language on Windows because it's incredibly powerful because it is a full on straight up programming language. That also happens to be able to run executables that it has full access to anything C sharp can do. I'm a fan of PowerShell, but there's a reason PowerShell execution is disabled by default on every Windows computer and you have to go and turn it on. And that is that opening a PowerShell window on Windows is basically the same security level as handing somebody a root SSH login to your Linux box. They, they, that it is that powerful. You can do anything to the system once you have access to enter arbitrary PowerShell commands. And, and that was, if you remember, when I had the uh, the little virus that came through, it was trying to use PowerShell to grab something to get the crypto keys and, and all that. I'm, I'm certainly sad that PowerShell has such a terrible reputation because people think PowerShell and they think, oh, it's a hacking tool. Well, no, it's not a hacking tool. It's actually an incredibly powerful uh, language used to interface that, that can interface with your Windows system on levels that nothing else really can, short of writing a C program and calling the NTDLL API. But it's it's brutally powerful, but it's so powerful and designed for it's designed for the IT department at a large corporation to remotely control everything that happens on a windows machine for their employees. But if you're not the employee, if you're just the person who downloaded a cracked version of windows, they can still do that. And it's dangerous and be careful and don't turn on PowerShell globally unless you really know what the hell you're doing. Hey, you just like to get rid of the GUI. You just want to get down and dirty with your text based interface. Well, one of the reasons I've been able to use windows eight for more than 10 years is that I never, ever look at the start screen the thing that replaced the start menu in windows 8 the reason why everybody said oh everything about windows 8 is garbage which i take offense to because i worked on some parts about windows 8 that you do not see they're under the covers and they are fantastic and they were a huge improvement over windows 7 but the idiots in the marketing department of windows decided that uh you know the, the brand new API system that was supposed to completely replace Win32 and be far more powerful and far more awesome and easier to use and accessible from, uh, well, all kinds of places like JavaScript. So maybe not such a great idea, but we built this. We made it for Windows 8 and the powers that be said, well, this is so awesome. We want it to only be accessible for store apps so that we can get people to write store apps. And you know what happened? Nobody even knows that we wrote a replacement for Win32. Thanks. 
<laughs> because who the hell wants to run a store app? The store apps are the stupid full screen, like as if every desktop was suddenly going to become a tablet, uh, touch first interface crap in Windows 8. And yes, I hate the Windows 8 shell as much as anybody, but I don't use it. I use PowerShell to get into everything. That is, in fact, how I like my main access to my computer is a PowerShell window that I just keep open and I launch stuff from there. Whatever works for you. I mean, I've never wanted to touch the monitors. I really have never. I mean, when I'm using a tablet, I get it. If it's in your hands, that's a different story. But when you're sitting at a desktop or a laptop, I don't see the point. I know some people love it. I want to touch that screen. It drives me nuts because it gets so dirty so fast. You'd have to be washing the things like on a daily basis. So I have a a slightly related uh, story that really mostly just headline. from Tom's hardware that I particularly thought was, uh, well, just buyer beware caveat emptor. Um, they are warning about fake Samsung 980 pro SSDs, which is a, a high performance, high capacity SSD from Samsung. Um, oh, is this what gets, I saw a story that they, something was being imported and inside was a bunch of these SSDs. Um, yes, there was a, there was a crate. I don't remember where it was found or who, who found it, but what they came across with, uh, these were found in a shipment, but they were also being sold on several marketplaces. The marketplaces they named are all ones whose names I'm going to probably butcher. Uh, Jean Yu, AliExpress and Taobao. Taobao. I don't know. Uh, so which Chinese are Chinese eBay, right? Yeah. They're, uh, I think that yes, one of I them don't. is. But they're all, uh, you know, more or less legitimate electronic marketplaces in China. And um, these fake drives are being put. The thing that I noted about the article in particular was how the writer was completely in awe of the amount of effort they put in. And I I don't know if it's warranted because here's what they came up with. It looks authentic to the eye. It includes official looking Samsung drive stickers and it comes in an official box. Ooh. Um, now what's now it also had, it also had a fake controller with custom firmware for the fake controller. So somebody put some effort into this. Uh, the firmware was good enough to fool the Samsung magician tool, which is their SSD optimizing and tuning software. Oh, see now that's a big deal because usually when you pretty big thing, you know, I've not with one of these, uh, you know, the little plugin SSDs, the little card type, but back with the normal SSD, when I first bought one, for my machine, it was a Samsung, and the way I got it up and running was to use that tool to uh, mirror the drive to the SSD so you could then go and swap it. So if this is basically what this is doing, like, hey, you think this is a Samsung product, it's fooling their software, you're mirroring your drive, and all of a sudden, somebody owns your system, I guess. I, I don't know if it came with malware on it or not. That wasn't clear to me, but what it did come with was a uh, knockoff NAND flash. Um, a knockoff firmware. Um, the, the real Samsung 980s benchmark at about eight gigabytes per second or something like, I think that's what they said. This is and a little these, slower. <laughs> these come in at about two and a half. Um, the drives tend to be a lot smaller than the SSDs. They're faking the fake firmware. Uh, it does that tr- cool trick. This isn't a new trick. We've seen it before uh, where the firmware, when the operating system asks the firmware, how big is your drive? It'll say, oh, five terabytes. Right. And what's the really flash there? that's in there. And, and then when, uh, you know, usually you'll test this by writing a file and then copying it back out. 
So there's 250 gigabytes of legitimate uh, flash memory in there. And so you write up something that's less than 250 gigabytes, you're going to get it all right back out. But what the custom firmware does is if you try to write more than 250 gigabytes, it just trashes the data. Nice. It just dumps it like, oh, okay, whatever. So you won't get it back. And now you'll think your drive failed. But yeah, that's, that's what the custom firmware does. Um, they then said you try, that it's, then you try to return it to Samsung. Yeah, you do because you got it in a Samsung box and it has the official Samsung sticker on it. And, and they're like, well, where's your proof of purchase? You know, like I got it from AliExpress. Yeah. That reminds me, I have to go see if Western digital is ever going to give me a fucking replacement for my drive that was in my NAS for about two years and failed. The it's been over a week. I I've already bought a replacement from Amazon, installed it, and everything's back up and running. But the Western Digital not so quick with their oh we have to give you a return authorization. Just wait, and it's probably been like ten days now. It's like how long does it take? Your machine is throwing you know the quick the quick test. Your quick smart test is throwing an error. So well, you know one of the one of the uh, vibrant customer service scams out there that companies do all the time because it it has proven to save them money is you give the customer enough hassle then eventually they're like fuck it i'll just buy a new one yeah and never return it and hey you made another sale right which i did but i'm getting my replacement because i figured (laughs) another drive is going to go bad soon enough which is the problem with all hard drives is if you figure it's going to go bad soon. Why yes. are you buying it? Uh-huh. So I'll well, soon enough. I mean, this, I was very pleasantly surprised in the sketchiest hard drives I ever purchased. It's been over a year now were the refurbs of, I don't even remember what the brand was, but they were a refurb enterprise drive off of eBay. And I think they were six terabytes a piece. I bought five of them to throw in this Drobo unit I bought. And those have worked great. So that was the, probably the, those were the ones I thought I were going to get. And it was going to be like, oh, these suck a year. You know, I, I didn't think I was going to even get a year out of them and they're still going strong. So, I mean, you never know. I, I want to return briefly to the Amazon ghost store because the, I, I decided to finally check my notes and it turns out I had a completely different article about Amazon ghost store and their palm scanning. Oh, what did you say? besides Uh, we want all your data this one is specifically the amazon ghost store in manhattan um which has uh received a lawsuit um now it turns out that in 2021 new york city and by the way the ghost store was opened in 2018 so there may have been uh there may have been a little bit of a tainter here but new york city passed a law in 2021 that requires any business that collects stores or shares biometric information must post signage near the entrance, alerting customers that they do the signage near the entrance, by the way, the, the um, remedy that Amazon put up for this, not that it helps with the lawsuit per se was uh, they put up a sign that says biometric information collected at this location. And by the way, if you know anything about how Amazon ghost store works, duh, yeah, that's the whole concept is that you get to walk in, take whatever you want off the shelf. You don't even have to stop on your way out. Um, but uh, the lawsuit alleges that Amazon Go scans the palms of customers to identify them by and by applying computer vision, deep learning algorithms and sensor fusion that measure the shape and size of each customer's body to identify customers 
track where they move in stores and determine what they've purchased. They say that's biometric and there was no sign out front and therefore give me the monies is I think what the lawsuit is basically saying. Um, now for people who aren't aware of how Amazon go works, um, uh, like you said, it's, it's a store where you walk in, you pick stuff up off the shelf and you walk out and they track who you are and charge your credit card or your phone account or whatever. When you walk out for the things you purchase, that's the idea. It sounds tremendously convenient. Um, in order to do that, when you walk in, you have three options for entry. Uh, one is you can swipe a credit card and then they charge that credit card when you walk out. Uh, two is you can uh, NFC tap your phone, which allows the, with the Amazon app installed and then they'll charge it to your Amazon account. Um, and the third one is you can hold your palm of your hand in front of a scanner and it basically takes a photo of that and gets the palm print from it and uses that as your identification. Um, I'm not certain how that works, but ultimately then, um, well, in the name of a, uh, an Amazon spokesman, uh, they do not use facial recognition technology. None of the, they, no, this isn't They're They're trying to recognize your palm and your body. So I guess technically true, right? But argumentative, um, which also say, means depending on the detail, they've got all five of your fingerprints now. <laughs> yes. So and there you by go. By the way, if you really want to mess with them, um, you know, stick your hand on a dirty brick wall right before walking in or something. But um, it, the, the spokesman says only shoppers who choose to enroll in Amazon one and choose to be identified by hovering their palm over the Amazon one device have their palm biometric data securely collected, securely collected. Of course, not, not insecure. Okay. Fine. Marketing speak. Ugh. And these well, individuals, again, are, as you said, with the password, this all depends on what they're doing with that data, because if they're taking that yes. scan and then turning it into a hash, then they don't have your information. I wouldn't be surprised if they're storing high quality PNGs, but, which nothing would surprise me, but it's possible they're doing it correctly. And, and OK, you know, they say securely collected. If everything about my argument here is if you are going into an Amazon go store and participating in their exercise in massive convenience over privacy, you should know going in, all of these things are happening. And so for this, I think the people who filed this lawsuit are kind of idiots, but um, they say that, uh, you know, if, if you use your palm scanner, basically you've already signed on via the website or the app, you know, you were provided the appropriate privacy disclosures during the enrollment process. So they say that, you know, if the palm scanning you signed on, it's opt in. Therefore, you know, you should, they shouldn't, it should be no surprise. I agree. Um, then they say, uh, the just walkout technology used to distinguish shoppers from one another is not biometric and is used only to link a customer with their purchase during a single store visit. Um, I, I have issue with that statement because the just walkout technology, it checks your height, your build, uh, your skin color. Uh, it checks a bunch of things about you that are aspects of your physical body for the purpose of tracking you through the store, identifying what you picked up and determining when you walked out. Again, this should not be a surprise to anybody who understands the Amazon Go thing. But to say that's not biometric, I'm sorry, your height, your build, your skin, those are biometric. Don't stop dancing around it. It's just not facial. Right. Everything anyway. is. Well, White Castle 
is in court in Illinois over using fingerprints to punch their, well, okay, maybe the wrong word, to time their, uh, it's a time clock. When their employees went in and out, they were using fingerprints as the way to identify said employees rather than things like the old fashioned time card. And uh, that's gone. I think it's still in the court system because they're being sued for millions, of course, too, that they had oh, biometric wow, yeah. data. And yeah, I don't think I'd want to work under those conditions. I'm, I'm a little like, like that is some really, really sensitive. Anything biometric because it is unique to you because it cannot be changed. It is a, a high security thing that you should not be just handing out freely. Uh, it's kind of like a. Uh, a good analogy is the incredible overuse of your social security number, where every fucking cell phone company demands your social security company or number before you can even talk with a customer service rep. Yep. Why? Because that's how they identify it. That's not what it was for. That's not it. And it is so difficult to change that number that random private companies should not be using such a, a sensitive and incredibly the, the, the fact that companies use your SSN at, like it's a pin right. is the, the basis of 90% of the identity theft out there. Well, it's for your convenience because nobody's going to get your SSN. I don't want convenience. Let me create a 10 digit pin. Yeah. But then somebody else might create the same one. And then what? Well, then we use another pin, a four digit pin to disambiguate, obviously. Can't we just use a can we just use a picture of you? That way we know it's you. That's biometric. I know. That's why it's so convenient. Which yeah. is also why the company's like, I get it. White Castles probably has issues with stoner employees who are like, hey man, uh, can you just like punch me in? I'll be there in yeah. like an hour. You know, these are the oh, kind of things. And- <laughs> No, it's like there you go. So you need to if you now if you really want to sleep that extra hour, you have to cut off your thumb and send it to whoever to punch you in, and then it's it's been more than twenty years since I punched a time card. But even back then, um, we had an employee ID number, and you punched in a four digit employee ID number in order to log in. But yeah, I I, I don't I wouldn't want biometrics, and I don't know. Ever since then, every job that I've had has been. Uh, you know, we, we'd like you to show up for mandatory meetings, but otherwise we're not really going to be able to enforce whether you're in the office or not. Just get all your work done, which is all that's important. And, and that's I mean, if if you get all your work done, then time should not matter. Now, though, I'm trying to figure out the last time I actually had to sign in or log in I was probably working at Circuit City where service was state of the art until they went out of business. <laughs> and then that was just logging into the computer system. But I love their computer system because it was. It was such a ubiquitous store that everybody went to Circuit City and you could look up because privacy was already dead. People thought Radio Shack asked for a lot of information and I worked for them too. They did. But the Circuit City database was fantastic. I remember looking up all sorts of people and the names and phone numbers and addresses just popping up. That's why I always gave a fake phone number. That's why you got to do it. You know, at the time, I remember like looking at playmates and that kind of thing. Oh, sure enough, almost everybody yeah. you wanted was at some point in so a certain city. Here, here's the the way that proper security should be done, and and obviously, you know, given that we both have just admitted that it's been decades since we've even been in a retail store, 
Yeah, well, they're um, less and less useful because Amazon just has an AI that just delivers yeah. me shit because it thinks I want it. That's great. Yeah. And yeah, Amazon, you just you walk into the store, you walk out with things. We used to call that theft. Now right. it's Amazon. Yes. If they, <laughs> they're lucky, they get to collect some money from you at the end of but it. But here's here's the security scenario for purchasing a piece of electronics, as it should have been even back in the Circuit City days. I go in, I select the item that I want. I take the item to the front. Uh, I hand over cash. They hand me the item and a sheet of paper proving that I was the one that I paid cash for it. Then I walk out the front. You don't need to know who I am. You don't. The only thing you need to know is do my Benjamin spend. Well, you want the extended warranty, don't you, sir? And for that, no. we need your information. Matter of fact, I don't. <laughs> if you want to return because, this, because if course. the extended warranty is worth having, that means that the device is a piece of crap and I shouldn't be buying it. Welcome to all electronics. Yes. <laughs> that, the, that is the problem there. And as a, a public service announcement, I got my bill and it wasn't horrible after the insurance took care of their part. The ER visit, <clears throat> excuse me, cost, uh, I think it was like 415 bucks or something like that. Oh, it's so cheap where you are. I know. Uh, and I was like, okay, let me, let me just try this because one, you could just go in and pay it online or they're like, you can call. I'm like, well, let me call. And I called up and a woman answers and I'm like, Hey, can you tell me if you still have uh, the thing where for, if you pay your statement right away, you can get a discount? And she's like, let me look. It's 5%. Okay. I mean, I, sh- I could have pushed it, but I was just like, okay, that's fine. So it got me like $21 off just by calling to pay and saying, hey, can you like give me a discount? Because I'm actually going to pay you. <laughs> you know, you know it, it, few enough people do that, that they're, they get really excited at the idea of getting anything at all. Right. You're going to actually pay us today. This is great. This is great. I remember when it was a much higher bill, they offered 10% right off the bat. But I understand this was a pretty small bill by hospital standards. But it always pays to ask if something can be done. And, you know, again, I am not in the I mean, I am a poor podcaster, but I can scrape together the 400 bucks where A, a couple dimes. Yeah. If it's thousands of dollars. In the past, they've just totally wiped the whole thing out. If you go through the process of uh, applying I, for I'm the assistance, still blown away four hundred dollars for an ambulance ride. I'm well, there sorry, was no ambulance here. ride. It was just the ER visit. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Which means I was going to say it started like, out before any of the insurance payments or the discounts at like forty five hundred dollars, and by the time it got to me. It was like 400 and whatever. And I also got like $35 from the ER doctor. That was still utterly ridiculous. I don't know. Like I was, I was ambulance rides around here. Like if I want to go from here to the hospital one mile away, because I'm in a city, uh, they're going to charge probably between eight and $12,000. Damn. And I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, uh, I'm spurting arterial blood and they're like, well, would you like us to send an ambulance? No, because I don't want to be bankrupt for the rest of my life. I'll go ahead and drive myself. Thanks. They're like, you're bleeding out. There is going to be an extra cleaning fee, sir. Can you, can you okay this here? Can you initial <laughs> this before we can put you into the ambulance? Cause we're going to have yeah. to clean that shit up. Like, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, you're, <laughs> I got bitten by a zombie. Well, we can send an ambulance. No, actually I'll just shamble in because you know, otherwise no. I mean, I've taken two ambulance rides to the hospital from this house, and I don't think we got a bill either time from the ambulance. But again, it might be because it's a 
it's a city provided service. And as far yeah. as the, the ER costs and everything else, this is also due to the fact that the wife has a government job and the insurance, the government jobs have are better than average. I know I'm paying for it. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for that. <laughs> like I need to take me another ambulance ride. Cause that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, but not dying is even more fun. The, the, the entire medical industry is such an incredible scam, but that that's, that's longer than even a BEM rant. That's more like an entire podcast series. Right. This would be a sub series of the series. And uh, they never end the, the BEM rants never end, which is they why really don't people like to support the show. There's a lot of people live in the troll room right here on a Wednesday afternoon. And we appreciate those. Even when I'm making jokes about foam boy, sexual prowess, he takes it with a grain of salt. Even when you're abandoning the show for a good three minutes and making the people live in the troll room have to put up with me vamping. Right. I mean, well, I looked, I went there and I'm like, wait, where's the FedEx guy? I saw the truck. I mean, this can't, how many FedEx trucks can there be? It looked like he was slowing down. I thought he just stopped right outside of my camera view here that I have uh, on my, my a third monitor here. I can see out the front of the house. And then to be fair, when I was coming back down the stairs, when I realized that, no, the FedEx man was not coming to my door, I decided to Bemrose. So I have a clear bladder and I am good to go for hours. Are you giving me permission to bail right now? <laughs> well, right after the first donation, because the first donation you need. Uh, are, are you saying this is only our first donation segment? Do we finally have enough that we need more than uh, uh, no, not no. segment, just donation? <laughs> oh, that's okay. the that's the difference. But we do have a hundred dollar oh, so, so dollar today. When when Adam and John are whining about the low donations, right. because they have so few, they only have one donation segment. And yeah, and a lot when of when we're whining about low donations, it's because we have so few, we only have one donation. Right, that's a difference. But today, if it was just one donation, it would almost be okay because our buddy Bacon Dude came in with a hundred dollars. Woo! He this is the part where we we definitely are not going to play that awful little tim baller jingle baller i know i that's why i donated the money on the last yeah podcasting i, I remember this because i shut off the stream and then i gave you a call out and like play it because bemrose hates it and then dave oh, thought that was funny totally missed the call out <laughs> dave thought that <laughs> part was funny i'm like that totally part. missed the call out because i shut off the stream i'm like trigger donate donation segments are are already uh, i know there's content in it and i try to listen but man i am so triggered by that fucking jingle and as we read these donations this is now the time if you want to send in a live boostergram this would now be the time to do it then we will not play the baller jingle no i promise you that we don't have the baller jingle but bacon dude comes in with a hundred bucks and he says bacon dude here have not donated in a while the last bemrose rant in episode 215 was absolutely epic I don't know which one. I'm, I'm sure there was probably I, more there than was one. more than one. Well, maybe there was more than one, or maybe there was just one that lasted two hours. But you the, the doctors say if your rants last more than two hours, you should definitely contact. A, an ER. You should contact somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if anybody will listen, but you should contact somebody. He says apparently got, Bacon Dude did, and I yes. knew there was a reason I liked Bacon. He says I got lots of value last year from your show, and even more value right now. Thanks so much for existing, which, wow, that is, that is one hell of a note. You're welcome. I, I am pleased to exist for you. And I am pleased that Bacon Dude, who may be, and I hope I'm not outing him here, but he may be our one confirmed black listener of Grumpy Old Ben's. 
And if you remember the last show, we talked a lot about the reparations in the San Francisco thing is two old white guys. So yes, if, if he's giving us this, uh, we spoke from, from a position of privilege, of course, of course, as podcasters. podcaster privilege, right? <laughs> so we, that is, makes even more the, uh, the, the donation, the thumbs up much appreciated bacon dude and uh, stay healthy, stay, have enough fun. I mean, if you got bacon in your life, what more do you need? And our buddy, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley, he's coming in with his monthly $25 donation. And we appreciate that, Sir Sean. He is one of the patron saints of podcasting. He's there for a lot of shows each and every month. I don't know how we can even listen to so many shows, but you hear Sir Sean's name on a bunch. He not only listens to so many shows, he donates to every show. He's the patron saint of the podcast network. It seems that way. So we should get like a statue made out of, you know, him and put it out somewhere. Where would we put it? I don't know. Somewhere in Gitmo Nation. And be like, this is Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley. Have it nicely lit. You know, big, big thing. I mean, like kind of you've seen the you've seen the Jesus Christ, the Redeemer statue in Brazil. I mean, in Rio, I think yes. it is. We need something like that for Sir Sean. And lightning keeps hitting that statue, which might just be a, a quirk of physics and weather, or it could be a sign. You never know. I mean, yeah. Brazil is an interesting place to be. No question about it. Anastasia uh, Trickles. Yeah. In the, I want to point out in the troll room. Uh, and if you're not listening to the troll room Wednesdays, why not? Seriously. Jobs are not as important as grumpy old Benz. But anyway, well, you could do both. Uh, Phoenix says, uh, if your rants last longer than two hours, you might want to contact Dame Bemrose. And uh, that's terrible <laughs> advice. She doesn't want to hear it anymore. It's like, I've yeah, she's checked out. She She's like, talk said, to the cat because the hand don't care. Call Bemlet. <laughs> Whatever you got to do, get it out. But Anastasia comes in with her monthly $10 and 10 cent donation. That is very much appreciated. Thank you. Our buddy Johnny Hipwell from the great land of Candanaviaville. Coming in with 333 says four grumpy old Ben's. What a great dual rant. So I guess maybe we were both ranting on the last show. Is that possible? Or were we dueling? Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember the swords coming out, but sometimes in the heat of the moment, you never know. And uh, for one's uh, boostergrams, they came in during the show today. We start out in just the order they came in. We're not fancy. We don't have any baller jingles. We don't have any pew pews or anything like that. When they come in, yes, it, you, it, it, it looks any like pew pews that any pew pews that you heard during the show, I made with my own mouth. It's it's organic. It's organic yes. pew pew. Organic pew pew. I've got the spit to prove it. And Boostbot doesn't seem to be in the troll room. So fuck Boostbot. Is that you too, Cotton Gin? So we love your ISO thing. Uh, Boostbot is not Cotton Gin. Boostbot no. is. Who is that? Uh, is, yeah. is it C Dubs? Maybe. Is it C Dubs? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to give C Dubs credit even if it wasn't him. We'll yell at C Dubs then. Yeah, C Dubs. It's all his fault. Boostbot is not in the troll room right now. So that's why your messages aren't popping up. Blame. That motherfucker, because he's still getting 1% of these. So we're going to hunt this guy down and be like, wow, dare yes. you? Yes. And uh, obviously for, you know, 1% of the of what comes into grumpy old Ben's, which is like, you know, three and a half sats per week. He did, he owes us a whole lot of development support. Yeah. He owes us at least 15 cents worth. Boobery came in with 1,776. Satoshi says, pour one out for first world problems. Yeah, that's. uh was that a little weird, Al? We were playing some first world problems on the live stream before we went live. 
Yes. Everybody loves Weird and, Al. That's one thing you, I've you realized. You also played some some headline news from Weird Al, and I don't know if it went out to the stream, but... Uh, oh, yeah, it did. And I've okay. realized when, one thing with the Rock and Roll pre-show is nobody ever complains about Weird Al. No, no. I, I, I play Weird Al before Angry Tech News. Uh, yeah, I play all about the Pentiums every time. If, if you join the No Agenda stream live, it doesn't go into the recorded podcast, but I always play all about the Pentiums to get me in the mood because... And what you want to do, want to be yeah, hackers, code crackers. Sla- anyway, it's easier to sing along with when Weird Al is singing because I can pretend that my voice isn't awful, but it absolutely gets me in the mood to get really excited and angry so that I can start the podcast. So if you ever listen to the show on its own and you hear me like sounding like I'm mid rant when the <laughs> when the MP3 starts, it's because I was singing along to Weird Al. Yeah, we just need a karaoke version of that so you can record your own and that would. Oh, my God. You you understand what a crime against MP3s that would be? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's the reason okay. I want to do it. <laughs> and sadly, I've known all the words to that for a very long time, even since when the song was relevant. Uh, we also did some some Weird Al headline news, which uh, my comment to you was, uh, you know, got to hand it to uh, you know back in our day when an athlete took a knee. She really took a knee. That's right. And I said, Galuli, baby. And I remember that. Why? I don't know. I don't either. Back in the day, I thought Nancy Kerrigan was kind of hot now. Maybe not so much. Well, now she's like as old as you are. I know you don't want that. (laughs) You want to be at least half or so. There's a there's a percentage. Phoenix came in with 10,000 Satoshi says finally catching G.O.B. as a new live son of a bitch. Tech Bukake rage for the win. I mean, I yes. guess that's one way to do it. Thank you. Well, I mean, how else do you think we're doing it? Exactly. Thor the Wonder Hammer coming in with. <laughs> I love that name. 1,111 Satoshis. I mean, yeah, I mean, really, if you're going to be Thor, you may as well be the Wonder Hammer. From one tech dick to a couple of others. Love and you guys. In, in, in the words of uh, Captain Hammer, the hammer is my penis. Tech Dick, you know what? You had to be there. I, I wasn't. I was. You, were, you should be. I was Somebody totally, is going to get that reference. It was in a totally different movie at the time. <laughs> Somebody is going to get that reference and I will be avenged. Net Ned with 10,000 Satoshi says, can you please SSO and two factor authenticate my boost or not? I'm sorry, Net Ned. I cannot. But I'll throw in a biometric if you're willing to scan your palm and your face and uh, other patches of skin as necessary and send all of that data immediately to China. China has to have it. You know, another FedEx truck drove by. What the fuck is this? This is two FedEx trucks now that have driven by the house. Like, I'm here. Come (laughs) on. They don't want to get caught doing it. I know. They're like just throwing it out. It says signature required, but you just see the package fly out of the truck as they drive by at 30 miles an hour. I wouldn't doubt that. Curtis Peterson coming in with 10,000 Satoshi says show title parcel pontification. I mean, that's a possibility. That is a possibility. I'm not usually involved in the show title selection. Um, If if I have a particular show title that I want, then I tell Darren and he doesn't use it anyway because he doesn't care what I think. Or I miss it totally. Yeah, it's it's really not a uh, it's not a science of how we do this. It's just any random thing I pull out there. It's not 
down the uh, rabbit hole of no agenda where it's usually something said in the show or it doesn't have to be something said in the show. It uh, it can very much be the same thing as it is used for the ISO at the beginning of the show, which we usually throw in there. We have way fewer rules than no agenda and way fewer donations. So maybe that's why we need more. Yeah, rules. <laughs> these two facts may be related. They may be. Uh, I, I wanted to call out. I pulled these out of my I, I've been futzing with my uh, my uh, podcasting 2.0 value. Um, well, as long as you're not chafing, I've been no, it's chafing. Trust me. I've been screwing with it all week. But during that time, I also pulled out some other boosts that came in during the week from Grumpy Old Ben's, which I know your system is not really set up to do it. So I wanted to call out the uh, uh, weirdo for. 5,000 from Fountain, no note. Uh, Joel W, 1111 from Fountain, no note. Um, Part B gave us 100 Satoshis from Fountain with no note. Woo! Uh, Baron of Rotterdam came in with 9999 via CurioCaster. Yeah, he streams a lot of those. He is always streaming the Satoshis. That's appreciated. And Pfeiffer came in with 6666 Satoshis. Emergency goat needed just when they thought they were safe. Ooh, the Reverend Dr. Pfeiffer of the two hour folk hour is I think that's the only show he's doing right now. I don't know why he should be doing more shows. We all should be doing more shows, but people couldn't stand it. I mean, the stream only has so many hours unless we can time shift live. Yeah, (laughs) we could probably figure that out. Can we run one show on the left channel and one show on the right channel so people could just choose by we can running there believe balance. it or not i i have we have the capability i know exactly how i would do it and it would make people insane <laughs> which is exactly why you would do it that's that my that would be the reason i would do it yes right or the weed tech says uh you could always start a second stream it's like yeah that's true too that may be the easier way to go when these this stream is so full that we need to explode into yet another stream I think a second stream would be easier because people could choose to listen to one or the other. Yes. And if you really wanted to listen to both, then just launch two VLCs. Yes. And put one in the left channel, one in the right. Like last Saturday when uh, I spent a good 15 minutes listening simultaneously to both the no agenda stream because I had to monitor a show and to the Lotus effect stream because they were spinning tunes. And, uh, and yes, I did lose a little bit of sanity that at that point, but uh, it was worth it. Hey, if you can do that long term, then you could have a job as an air traffic controller. I would crash so many planes on purpose or just that you wouldn't be good at the job. <laughs> it depends on how bored I was. Uh huh. Yeah. Come on. You go. Oh, no, it's fine. It's perfectly clear. But we appreciate everybody for listening live when we do these shows. Noagendastream.com, Wednesday afternoon, 1 p.m. Central. That is 11 a.m. Bemrose on the West Coast. And we appreciate everybody for supporting the show financially because, you know, podcasters, believe it or not, still need to eat. I mean, we're not on a hunger strike yet. And I don't think either one of us ever will be because there's bacon in the world. And why would you go on a hunger strike when there's bacon? As long as I have bacon, I will never stop eating. Or ranting. You could go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. You could do a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal, which a lot of people hate, which is why there are crypto addresses and QR codes if you want to do the crypto thing. And then there's people that are like, well, I fucking hate PayPal, but I'm not getting into that crypto thing. It's too hard. And then I say there's a P.O. box. 
Were you, I, you, given the conversation I had with Spencer yesterday over this, getting this node working. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, you're like, this is great fun. I'm like, I might agree. Yeah. It's not easy to get the stuff up and running. That's why they keep on working on it. So but the PO just, box. Oh, wait, the FedEx guy is actually pulling up and stopping this time. Oh, are you, are you going to make me vamp again? Yeah, I'll be right back. Okay. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and describe what is going on with the, uh, my, my Satoshi's node. Um, I, I, as people may or may not be aware uh, because uh, angry tech news and, and my half of grumpy old Ben's have been uh, very low traffic. And because I am poor AF and not pouring a lot of funds into it. Um, I haven't, I've only had a couple of channels that uh, the, the channels to my node were very generously opened by uh, some of the people that uh, pretty much that decided they wanted to stop putting up with my whining about not having channels. So uh, C-dubs, Servo, Spencer um, really appreciate the channels that we've had. It's been uh, the main way that I've been connected to the lightning network, but I finally decided I need to give some back. And so uh, I hooked up with Spencer and a couple other people in order to join a ring of fire, which is a system where a bunch of people open channels in a ring, which allows you to balance around the ring with uh, low fee payments a lot easier than uh, it, it resulting in your more balanced channels. It's, it's a much better way to do it. I absolutely love the idea of the ring of fire decided to join one. And um, so Here's the first problem I ran across when, uh, you know, Spencer came out with, here's the spreadsheet. Everybody connect to the node below you in the sheet. Okay, great. So I know who I'm supposed to connect to. Turns out though, um, when I first installed my node, I never put Tor on it. I wasn't too worried about it. I, I, uh, already published my IP addresses as my website anyway. Um, probably should have put that on there anyway. Wasn't worried about it. But the problem is that every address except for mine, was a, you know, the, it's a 64 digit hex string because, you know, that makes them so memorable for node names, um, followed by an at and a host name. And every other one had at something, something, something dot onion, which I couldn't route. So I couldn't open a connection. So digging through, trying to figure out what the hell. And by the way, I'm still a novice at managing a node and I set up. I finally got to figure out that if uh, the next person in the line made a connection back to me, then uh, it, it would work because now I would have a peering connection open and could open the channel. Great. So I get the peering connection. What happens right somewhere between opening the peering connection and me trying to open the channel, the other guy's node goes down. Can't open the connection. And at the time, you can use Viagra for that, right? When your node goes down. So we're trying to use this, this, what the fee site in order to figure out what the right stake is for the, you know, the, no, when you, whenever you make a Bitcoin transaction, one of the things that has to be in the transaction is, is how much you're going to pay per byte to get into the blockchain. And it's kind of a betting game because the people who pay more are more likely to get into the chain. The people who pay less don't get their transactions in. And the other thing is it prioritizes because lower payment means lower priority means you don't care particularly when it comes in. Well, I was using this site to figure out what the right rate was. And so I picked a rate and then the other guy's node is down and 
okay, fine. It was three days before the node came back up. Okay, whatever. I'm not in a huge hurry. Things are still working. So node finally comes back up. We confirm the connection is live. I hit up enter. Then I went ahead and checked. I'm like, wait a minute. What about the fees? Um, the mempool had crowded up. The fees skyrocketed. And suddenly I have lowballed this way too low on the opening transaction. And what that means is that there was no guarantee it was ever going to get in. And then the pool got even more crowded to the point where my transaction got purged before I was able to bump it and raise the fee on it. And now the problem that we were running into and the problem I was bitching about yesterday is that I cannot bump the fee because the transaction is purged and therefore it can't find the transaction in order to change the fee. Which means that my channel open is totally in limbo and we're still not exactly sure how to make this go through. You're like, okay. I just want my Satoshis. That was super geeky. And I hope all of the people who didn't want to know the details about lightning node management have fast forwarded. I should have warned you as soon as Darren left for the UPS truck. Well, and I think they should understand what goes into because there's a lot of people who are like, why don't you take this? Why don't you use this? It's like it's a. Uh it's an ongoing system that people are learning about and it's not it, it's simple. evolving yes and it's not well i also entered hard mode because i did not install a ui dashboard i'm actually doing this from command line through powershell and, uh, uh what through powershell no no it, no bash <laughs> it's it's it, it, my node is on a linux machine debian oh that would make sense um but yeah i did hard mode which is i'm running lightning from the lightning commands and not from a dashboard uh, which admittedly this situation, I don't think any of the, any of the dashboards would have worked to fix it either. Um, and uh, Phoenix is saying that it will stay in limbo indefinitely. Uh, the transaction on the Bitcoin chain will stay in limbo indefinitely, but there is in the lightning node, there is a two week timeout for uh, op channel opens where the node on the other end will forget about the pending channel open if it doesn't confirm within two weeks. And then even if the Bitcoin transaction goes through, the channel is a zombie because it's no longer exists on the other end. Okay. Anyway, you know what? This is, this is a podcast, not a tech support line. Let's not do this anymore. I've got uh, two more stories left. Uh, Facebook sued for not stopping all sex trafficking or counterportation. Well, the first one, I think, really goes along with hard mode. So, I mean, we should probably go with that one. The, the Facebook? Yeah. Where else would you go for your hard mode talk than grumpy old man? <laughs> uh, this one is uh, a lawsuit uh, coming from the employees retirement system of the state of Rhode Island uh, versus Zuckerberg at all. They actually decided to sue Zuck personally, as well as suing Facebook. Um, and it's a retirement system of the state of Rhode Island is the organization. So, of course, they sued in Delaware court. Which is where everybody is when they incorporate, it seems. Yeah. Um, so what they're being sued for is basically uh, is saying, uh, given the board's, let's see. Given the board's failure to explain how it tries to root out the problem of sex trafficking and child exploitation, the only logical inference is that the board has consciously decided to permit Meta's platforms to promote and facilitate sex and human trafficking. 
Uh, how are they doing this exactly? What are the uh, claims here? So, okay. So the claim is that people are doing sex trafficking and child exploitation on Facebook. And the fact that Facebook has not stopped it means according to uh, uh, presumably a lawyer typed up what I just read. Uh, according to this lawyer, the fact that they have not stopped all sex trafficking and child exploitation on the platform means that the board condones it. That is, in fact, what the lawsuit is alleging. So, um, yeah, because their capabilities don't let them monitor every last thing. That means they want it. Well, they they can, in fact, monitor every last thing, except for the fact that the you know, they can only get so many people to sit in front of the most awful things on the Internet. Well, yes, I heard that what, like the worst. I mean, that's the job on the rung of the ladder. Even below podcaster is person at Facebook who has to look yeah. at all the questionable stuff. I mean, e- even if it wasn't the questionable stuff, even if it was the routine stuff that would just absolutely turn my mind to jelly. But they're being called like everything everybody's ever reported on Facebook, which is going to be some of the worst things that humanity has ever created and really shouldn't be seen by anybody. But these are the people who get paid to look at this. That that has got to take a toll on your psyche. But anyway, <laughs> I would think, yes. So um, the, the precedent that they are following is uh, in 2021, the Texas Supreme court ruled that Facebook facilitated Three people who met their abusers on Facebook uh, for human trafficking. Um, the court ruled that uh, th- Facebook does not have any immunity from human trafficking because Facebook is not a lawless no man's land and ruled that Facebook could be held liable because people got abused and they met their abusers on Facebook. Now, I think the Texas Supreme Court got that very, very, very wrong. It is, in fact, exactly what Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act was written for. But based on that precedent, uh, this other system, they have decided, uh, you know, there are bad things happening on Facebook. And therefore, uh, the fact that they continue to happen means that the board and Zuckerberg personally are condoning it and therefore give us the money. That's kind of the gist of it. Yeah, it seems like an overreach. I really. I, you know how much I dislike being put in the position of defending a large Silicon Valley corporation, but this is, this is the worst kind of nuisance lawsuit. Well, and it's again, that the people using these services and Facebook also owns Insta, they sign up, they understand what they're doing. And I've been warning about this for years and years and years, especially to parents who have no idea what their idiot kids are doing, that you're posting stuff that could lead people literally right to your door. There was a story of the one girl, and I think it was she was mainly a TikToker, but the same thing where the stalker shows up with the shotgun on her front porch. You can't blame the service. You can't blame Instagram. Sadly, you can't blame Facebook. Well, apparently you this, can if you go to court in Delaware. I guess. But it's like it's your own stupidity. It's your lack of understanding what you're doing. If you don't understand that there are bad people out there who are actively looking at social media accounts going, which little blonde girl do we want to take today? You don't get it. People are bad. Understand that. And then don't go, oh, well, Facebook didn't do enough. Well, no, you do enough. 
Are you really going to put your safety in the hands of a nameless big corporation, faceless uh, Facebook? No. Take responsibility. No, no, great. Take responsibility, people. Uh, uh, More than just putting your own security, privacy, well-being, brain matter in the hands of a big corporation. What kind of effed up parent do you have to be to decide that Facebook is the right babysitter for you? Oh, yeah. If that's your choice, then you made a really (laughs) bad one. I mean, seriously, people go to TikTok. Yeah, they're not going to protect your kids. Yeah, at least they're honest about it. Yeah, because they just want to keep your eyeballs. Another story today, which I covered on Random Thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts dot com, was very similar to one of those TikTok stories we covered in the past where somebody did a study and they create a bunch of accounts. And of course, they put the age on the accounts at 13 years old and then they see how long it takes before all they're getting is suicidal posts and really dark stuff. (laughs) And here's like 10 minutes. That's all it takes, folks. Um, AI generated right suicide notes yeah this is exactly what you get when you let the algorithms decide and granted what people miss out to give a little bit of leeway although they don't deserve much to the tiktoks and the social media these people that do these uh little things this little when they create the accounts they do start by implicitly requesting that kind of content so you know with that said you gotta understand what the algorithms are doing if you create a brand new account this to me let's forget about the fact that this is depression and suicide and all that and use the analog of something like spotify where if you get a spotify account and start playing nothing but taylor swift don't be surprised if Spotify thinks you want more Taylor Swift. Uh, this sounds like torture. It may be both. <laughs> you may want to commit suicide while listening to Taylor Swift. No, if, if I wanted to create a Spotify account for each of my hostages that I wish to psychologically <laughs> destroy. Would they be different musical uh, play? Nothing but nothing but Taylor Swift and Frank Sinatra. Oh, well, then I'd be like, this is the, I would outlast you then. And that baller jingle. Well, we'll see that I can handle too. Now that this sounds like what would be bad for you to listen to more than anything else. See, I knew there was a reason I didn't have Spotify. I don't mind going back and forth between Taylor Swift and Frank Sinatra. Throw some Hank the third in and uncle Ted. And you have a well, well rounded musical experience. You are not well adjusted. You know that, right? No, that's true. I am so, I I am so poorly adjusted that I'm well adjusted. Yes. There are a lot of good ISOs in this episode. Oh, yeah. Well, they, every episode, pretty much everything that comes out of my mouth is worth quoting. You know that. We were in Fuego all day, which is why Bacon Dude came in. Like, where else can you get this kind of content? I mean, sure. If you want your amygdala shrunk, okay. you go to No I Agenda. To talk, I have to talk about counterportation. You have to? Is this, is, I, if you, were you paid to do this? Is this like no. a sponsor? No, but this is this is fascinating to me. The uh, level of bullshit here. I'm right. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Of of science. Oh, science. Science. Um, <laughs> this story comes out of uh, Hatim Salih, a quantum physicist and honorary research fellow at the University of Bristol's Quantum Engineering Technology Labs. Ooh, when you say quantum, you know it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have said yeah over that. That was another great ISO. But anyway, uh. The fundamental concept behind the new study is counterportation, 
which is a portmanteau of that Sully coined from the words counterfactual and transportation. While the transportation part is fairly straightforward, the counterfactual component is derived from a concept called counterfactual communication, which is a way to send messages between two points without exchanging any particles. Uh, By way of simple real-world example, consider a dormant car engine light. It is not emitting anything, but it still signals information that your engine is fine. That's counterfactual communication. So this concept um, and uh, Vice and then Gizmodo, which were the two places I found articles, both ran with it and immediately jumped to teleportation. Okay. Uh, did, Did that make any sense how this counterfactual communication works, by the way? I kind of this, understood it after I had the third aneurysm. Yeah. So, so this, this concept is key, but let me pull, let me throw some more quotes at you so you're in the right state of mind. To transport information across space and time, the researchers would first send light through a quantum system. Next generation of quantum computers could harness the power of counterportation to produce a traversable wormhole. I mean, uh, we all want they, a wormhole. Anybody that's a Deep Space Nine fan is like, we need a good wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever died in that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Maybe a few. They, so the, the big money quote, as far as I'm concerned, from Sully is quantum computing holds the key to all of this. Uh, they claim that they have sent a bitmap image from one location to another using this. So it is practical. I, you know, when I send a bitmap image, I, you know, use the Internet. But you can tell me whether that actually involves. The, the real trick to this is uh, they have come up with what they say will eventually be a method of tra- teleportation with no exchange of particles. What? And uh, I, I would have argued that uh, the Internet protocol does the same thing. But apparently particles are exchanged because electrons move in a wire somewhere, I guess. Maybe. I'm not sure. But. um. The idea is that you can move across a vacuum of arbitrary distance, whatever. Uh, the It's the same principle as quantum entanglement, except that you don't have to move the entangled particles. The idea behind quantum entanglement, which nobody's ever done, and I don't think anybody ever will, is you entangle two particles by uh, splitting an atom or something. You, I don't know, throw, some, throw the word quantum at it, and you end up with two particles that have identical states. and According to some completely untestable theories of quantum dynamics, those particles will always have the same state in every quantum reality, no matter where you move them. So you move one particle farther away, and now what happens to one happens to the other, which, again, we've kind of entered science fiction here, but there's just enough plausible theory for people to really latch onto this. but. Counterfactual communication is a significant improvement on this because you don't even have to move the particle. Um, instead, what they're actually saying is um, the lack of communication from a particle can be interpreted as conveying information. And that's what the car engine light thing was about. Or we could uh, just you, never do a podcast again, but it's still like we're giving you information by not giving you information. It, yes, that's exactly the thing. If never, if another grumpy old Ben's episode does not come out, that meant that I was ranting. And if I tell you that and you don't get a grumpy old Ben's episode, you have now received the information that I was ranting. That's pretty much what's going on. And that's the, the car engine light is the example. If the car engine light is off, 
then the information you're supposed to get is your engine is fine. I kind of feel like the metaphor falls apart a little bit because the dormant light could also mean, for example, that the wiring's been cut, right? The, the light battery off. is dead, <laughs> that the car is off. Yeah, there are a few other but, uh, options there. But but the gist of this and, and they threw a lot of quantum in there. And, you know, I, I did not. I tried to read the paper. It was a, a pay to download thing. So I did not read the paper. I didn't even read the abstract. I only read the Vice and Gizmodo articles on this. So, you know, my information is fresh and totally reliable to a point. But as far as I can tell, amidst all of the quantum and jargon, um, the idea is you set up a protocol such that, uh, well, uh, here's, here's my interpretation on it. So. If you hear nothing from me for three seconds, that's me sending an H. And then if you hear nothing more for two more seconds, that's me sending an E. And then if you hear nothing more, there's an L and then another L. And if you continue to hear nothing from me, then there's an O. So after 30 seconds of silence, what you've got is the message. Hello. And that's kind of how I'm understanding this counterfactual communication is you are setting up a protocol of what the null string means and then interpreting that. Okay. The null string means that which sounds completely maddeningly useless, but that really sounds like what this, this thing is supposed to be. Except now what you have is you've got a quantum computer on each end and you decide that if nothing happens that you've, it, it has meaning anyway. Uh, so, uh, Hatim Sali wants to turn this into the next generation of quantum computers, um, starting with his startup dot quantum of which he is a co-founder and, uh, and then eventually turn it into wormholes, which you can counterport through. And we're going to hold our breath and wait for that. So uh, quantum computing holds the key to all of this. Obviously <laughs> quantum <laughs> holds the key to everything. Everything crypto will be broken. The world will be saved or ruined when quantum is here. I just, I, I read that and my jaw was on the floor with the, it, it had so much techno babble in it that I'm pretty, I'm not even sure that I understood all of it, but what I did understand was that, uh, this guy certainly looks full of shit and he threw in enough of the word quantum in there to confirm that diagnosis. Yeah, but he's got a company called dot quantum, which means he's probably already raised billions of dollars. Yes, yes, he has almost certainly raised a bunch of VC funds. Now, the problem is that those VC funds were probably kept in Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, so adios, <laughs> motherfuckers. So good luck with getting that back. Looks like uh, Bitcoin is down today. It had been going up, 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 up. Which, as it goes up, it comes down. Do not take That's financial weird advice. weird how that happens. Yeah. Do not take well, financial if, advice. If from it podcasts. helps, the mempool is completely full again. Well, you know, that means people can start sending you all of their Satoshis because they're going to be worthless anyway. Send them to Grumpy Old Ben's. And I, I might not be able to do anything with them if this channel never opens. <laughs> right. It might just be. Now, that's going to not give them the uh, kind of. Uh, the confidence that they want of that you're actually going to receive the Satoshis, but don't worry. I get my half. That's really all that matters. Just saying. Well, don't say if your car, if the little <laughs> light comes on and the voice, 
you know, because you have some of these now, probably most cars, although you and I have cars that are so old, this wasn't the case, but they have a lot of cars that talk to you now. You've left your door open. If I just ca- want you to know that counterfactual podcasting is in fact a candidate for show title. Counterfactual podcasting. I like that. But if your car, the voice of your car telling you that there's something wrong sounds like Ryan Bemrose, drive that car right off a cliff. Your car is haunted. Actually, yes. get out and leave and just like yes. throw a Molotov and walk away. Leave it in the middle of the street, wherever you are. Just stop. Even if you're on an expressway, stop. Get out and Drop, run. Roll. Yeah. Don't even don't even take time to shut the door. Just leave. You want to be safe. Absolutely. You got to be safe. And for all of the information on what you need to do, you need to tune in again next week for another edition of Grumpy Old Ben's live on Wednesdays now at 1 p.m. Central. Out. Been yeah. live on Wednesdays for a while. Brand new. It's like when uh, JCD used to go on Twit, and they're like, "Oh, that's twice a week now." That was that was that <laughs> yes. kind of a bit, you know. Uh, like that, yes. So we, we are live on Wednesdays, except in some places where it's now Thursday. But let's not try to bring in this well, motion of the Earth. We need a wormhole. We'll be here all day. We, right. We need the wormhole and quantum, and then it will all save us. With that said. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the FedEx guy finally got here. And from America's left coast, where I say everything by saying nothing at all. I'm Ryan Bemrose. He said, what song was that for nothing at all? Um, what song? Who? Bonnie? No. Say it all with what? I, You're overthinking this. I am. <laughs> Another GOB is in the can.